Hello everybody and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 800 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, the wonderful Neil Delamere. Yay! <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Wow, 40 years. That's a that is a long career of 800 comedians, isn't it? Unbelievable. My my first comedian was Les Dawson in 1976 on oh, holiday. Oh wow. Okay, I mean, I was only talking about Les Dawson um, to Justin Morehouse recently. He was his specialized subject on um, Mastermind. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. Um, and, like, there's some stuff that dates, you know, for whatever reasons, for, for social reasons, uh, you know, and taste change and all the rest. But Les Dawson, I think you can oh. take, take Les Dawson, plant, plant him in any era of comedy, and he would he would pivot to whatever works. He was so good. He's unbelievable. He's He's... Other than Markham and Wise, I think he's my favourite comedian. That's well, that's pretty esteemed company to be in anyway. The two yeah. of them, oh, I think just, that's fair enough. Just the best, and, th- and then I got the bug, the, the the bug for it. I was hooked, and uh, yeah. I've been I've been going <laughs> ever since. And it's been downhill <laughs> since then. So you saw your favourite comedian first, and then. 799 times you tried to replicate the first experience of losing your comedy well, no, virginity and all the rest of us. We're all rebound comedians, essentially. That's what this is. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I have a lot of favourite comedians, but he, he was, I thought, phenomenal. Anyway, never mind about me. The interview's all about you, my friend. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we're going to talk for the next 45 minutes or an hour or so about your career and um, I'd like to kick off by asking you how did you become a comedian in the first place? Um, well I did um, software engineering when I was in university and I just did it because my brother actually had done it really and I knew it was going to be I knew I was going to get a job from it so it was, a, it was kind of a placeholder at the time you know right. um, and then one of the first gigs I ever saw was in in university and I saw I sat on the floor and I saw um of the of the bar because it was so rammed and I saw Daryl O'Brien, Deirdre O'Kane, and Eddie Bannon was the first gig I saw. Wow. And I thought, well this is amazing, you know. And uh, so this is probably two thousand and two maybe. Right. Uh two thousand and yeah around then. And uh two thousand and one and I saw and I just thought it was great. I thought it was brilliant and I thought this'll go on the bucket list. But I, I had no intention of doing anything seriously it was I'll do five minutes and I can say I've done it like a parachute jump or a whatever you know bungee jump or anything yeah, like that yeah. so, so my friend wrote it down and uh, we went into the international bar in Dublin which is this tiny little room which is holds maybe 60 or 70 people um, and has no microphone and it was set up in the kind of late late 80s by Ardlo Hanlon and Kevin Gildee and Barry Murphy and everybody who's anybody in kind of in yeah, Ireland man. most people have started there and I just asked for five minutes and I did five minutes and kind of got the bug. And then I said, I just keep doing this for, for a while now and see how we go. And then I won a, co- a competition um, for RTE, the kind of national broadcaster in the Republic of Ireland. And that gave me a bursary of a couple of grand. Or, and I just thought, well, I can, I, can, I can pay my rent for a few months with this. Uh, so I'll give up the job and just see. You. And, then, and, you know, I thought, ah, listen, in six months, I'll just go back and do what I did. And then I never, never stopped, really. Wow, that's that's brilliant. Once once you get the bug for it, it's like it's like watching it. It it 
it's like it must be like uh, um, uh, such a high when you get an audience laughing at you from the things that you've written. Yeah, it's it's also so novel as well. Like you, yeah. you like the first time you do it, you're absolutely terrified. And anybody who says you're not terrified is completely lying because you've no frame of reference, Richard. You have no idea what's good <laughs> or bad or indifferent. You know, but you, hopefully you try a new place and you, like, or, or sorry, you try a place that you know they've built it up that the person coming on next is only five minutes. It's only going to be five minutes and on you. So, you know, most audiences will, will suffer that for a few minutes, you know? Yeah. I do think most people will die in their first kind of eight to 10 gigs. And I think it's just about if you get two or three decent ones under your belt before you die, you might be okay. Whereas if you die in your first you two, you're just going, I'm not a comic and you stop, you know, which is a shame really. So your your first gig, that was just five minutes long, was it? You just did a five-minute set? Five-minute set, yeah. Um, I had a friend of mine from the software engineering company come with me yeah. because I think there's two ways to do it. Most of the time, there's you bring no one. You might bring one or, or no one, or you bring everybody you know. Yeah. And I just thought, well, I really wasn't confident enough to bring more than one person because <laughs> I wanted to deny it ever happened if it was horrendous you know um and he sat there and we had he had i had kind of run some of the stuff by him and you could <laughs> I, I i was so nervous he was i could see him and he was just miming punchlines and he was like and then the thing oh the thing. my um uh, but i got through it and it went well i mean i'd like to see i don't know if i'd like to see it now i have a head i have a, an idea in my head it went well i mean yeah. it was probably horrific <laughs> like if you ever find your old well, notebooks you or anything and you read stuff you've written down you just go oh Christ but that's the way it should be like you should you shouldn't be looking at stuff you wrote 15 years ago and going that was brilliant because then you haven't developed at all <laughs> I would be genuinely worried if you thought that, that was brilliant you know I am um, I am a, a regular friend of many a new comedian uh, at uh, pubs going uh, uh, who are who are trying the medium out and I go and I sit there and and if they're very good I laugh very loudly at them but uh, mm. a friend of mine um uh, invited me along 20 times in in, in uh, to his first 20 gigs and I got sick of laughing at the same jokes wow. yeah. <laughs> he had me in the front row going please laugh here and it did help but I mean, he's now running his own club abroad but um but but wow. you know I'm delighted that uh, you know, I can support you. Obviously, I'm passionate about it. But um, did did you go through a period where you, a similar thing was happening? You were inviting your friends to different pubs. To, to not not really. Yeah, uh, we were kind of jealous as well of the of the London scene. In that, right. if you worked really hard in Dublin, you might do a gig every week or maybe two weeks. Right. You no, know, like it's a, it's a small city, you know? Yeah, yeah. So these guys, so it could take you a year to do 40 or 50 gigs. Whereas, you know, we were then, we then through, mainly through the kind of BBC competitions or after a few years, say at Edinburgh or the Kilkenny festivals, you'd meet lads and, uh, sure, yeah. And you would realize, by the way, I say lads, lads is a term for girls and boys in Ireland. And, <laughs> uh, uh, just, just, to, just to clear it up. And, uh, you would suddenly realize that this girl or this guy had done a million gigs. Yeah. And you just didn't even, I didn't even really realize that there was that many gigs in, in different cities and they could gig every night if they wanted. Now, a lot of them were kind of fairly brutal and fairly tough to do, I think. But, um, you, you could certainly kind of accelerate your, 
development if you're in a, in a bigger city, you know? Because you got to remember, at, at that stage, like, there wasn't much stand-up on TV and, uh, mm. you know, it wasn't YouTube. So you weren't familiar necessarily with what was going on in the rest of the world, you know? Sure, yes, yes, of course. Um, so you're, you're on stage doing your comedy... Um, what what specific things do you like to talk about? Do you have any themes? Do you have any ideas that that, that you want to get off your chest when you're on stage? Or it dep- it depends. I do a lot of kind of panel topical panel shows, and right. I've done for years. So sometimes if there's something very big in the news, like the week that we are recording this, you and I are talking about this. I think if I was on a stage, I think there'd be five minutes about the Super League. The sure, yeah, <laughs> lasted. Yeah. Not as long as a deodorant lasts, apparently. <laughs> Somebody said it was 46 hours. And yeah, like, which is kind of deeply depressing um, that they thought that that could work. So sometimes if there's something very big going on, I think a lot around Brexit. But yeah. generally speaking, when I'm writing a tour show, you kind of think, well, I hang on a tour list in six months. So this can't really be topical unless it's kind of something that lasts for a year or 18 months. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. don't do kind of very specific topical things when I'm doing a tour. But in terms of bigger bigger themes, um, no, not really, not, nothing... Nothing springs to mind, really. It's always very hard to describe your own stuff. It's always that's for somebody else to describe, I think. Right, but right. I, I suppose, largely, I would classify myself as a storytelling comedian. In that, yeah. my friend who is a comic and uh, is also a doctor, um, uh, also a psychiatrist. I think that's why he gets on very, very well with a comedian. He, uh, I had to do a blurb once, and he went, "No, well, you tell stories. That's that's the stuff that you do, and that's the stuff that I like watching you do the most." So, yeah, it's just kind of general stuff that's happened. Just general yes. Um, um, what's going to be a bit weird is that when we all go back out after COVID, uh, and hopefully that'll be be soon. What do you talk about if you haven't done if you haven't done anything? So, what do all the people who tell stories talk about? <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Exactly. It's a good point. You know. That it's gonna it's gonna be interesting how they construct their shows around yeah. such a tough time. Yeah, and how much the appetite for an audience is there to, for yeah. everybody to talk about COVID. I mean that that I think that's one the one difference between say if the Edinburgh Fringe Festival happens right yeah. and is very successful and all the rest and we wish we wish the best of luck. You know if if a if a a reviewer has been to six shows and all comedians have talked about COVID mm. and hammers the sixth person for saying, oh, he just talked about COVID or she just talked about COVID for 10 minutes. You go, yeah, but a punter who has chosen to see the show won't be going to see six shows. So they might not necessarily be as COVID fatigued as you are. So I think that's something for them to remain cognizant of as well. And also as well, the, the punter wouldn't know necessarily know because they'll be going on the comedian's name. And when he gets there, if he starts talking about it, he might not want to hear it because of all the difficulty they've had during the lockdown, you know? So it's, it's, it's a very thin line um, it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting when it does get back to some sort of normality. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, to date, what has been your best and worst gig? Ooh, the mm, the best one. I don't know if it was the best gig I've ever done, but I think it was probably one of those landmark gigs uh, that you look back on. I did the first time I ever did Vicker Street in Dublin, which oh, is brilliant. The kind of, it's a really good venue. It's about eleven, twelve hundred seats, and yeah. it's it's the one that that in recent years comics all want to do. You know, so the first time I did that, I did that in two thousand and seven, uh, and 
Uh, it was just brilliant. It was the only gig yeah. my mother has ever been at, actually. Oh, uh, and to my family. It was the first time I did it. And I did have friends there that day, you know. And I got a standing ovation. Mainly because I think I knew everybody in the audience. That's brilliant, and, uh, That's and it was just, it was just wonderful. Yeah, it was, just, it was just great. And we put we put the gig on. And because no, no one comes to you and goes, you know something, I think you can sell that room. You just guess. You go, oh, yeah, I think yeah. I've done some TV and now and I think I can probably... But we can sell it, and you know, so and social media wasn't quite as prevalent as it is now. So you, you don't know if you're, if you put up something, hey, who's coming to this? You, you know, you could guess whether you could sell it or not. So that was very special. And um, the worst gigs I've ever done. I can't believe you've had many. Oh, uh, I've, 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 I had a little, <laughs> I had a ones, and I threw three of them out. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a horrendous gig. Actually, it, it it was I kind of was listening backstage and I heard three people talking of the eleven. I mean, this is your first Edinburgh. It's really tough, and uh, I heard them talking and they I think they'd just gotten freebies or something uh, last minute freebies, and I thought these these they they don't want to be here. So I went uh, out anyway, and I got the vibe after a while that eight people wanted to be there and eleven people did or and three people didn't. So I just said to three people, listen. Off you go. Listen, <laughs> go off now. You're ruining it. <laughs> yeah, I mean? I gotta take. I gotta take my shot here. And what? Like the, two of them didn't speak English, and then the third person was was translating everything for them. So I threw them out <laughs> in a kind of a pleasant way. Uh, and then for the last half an hour, it was great because the other eight people were like, course, "This yeah, is the weirdest yeah. thing we've ever seen in Edinburgh uh, yeah. so far in our experience." And wow. uh, they kind of got into it. It was well, like doing a bunker at that stage. Good on good on you for doing it. If clearly they weren't there, if if they weren't there to watch the comedy, then then good on you. Yeah, I, yeah, but I, I just think you get kind of Edinburgh is like some sort of blacksmith's forge in that it forges some degree of iron into your soul, you know. But the first time I did the the fringe, because you go there and no one knows who you are, no, and no. and then you come back. The first time I came back, I did 15 minutes at a club gig with no material. I was wow. just so happy that the people were there. There was 50 people in the room that held 50 people, and yet I didn't have to do a full show. And it yeah, was just yeah. like, yeah. oh, my God, this is the easiest thing I'll ever do. So probably some of those early Edinburgh ones where you do your first, like, you know, there's 10 people in the room. They have no idea who you are. You do your first joke that works in a club. It doesn't work. And you go, Jesus, that's the best joke I have. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been doing this that long. That's the best joke I have. And now it's... I've got nothing and it's all downhill from there and then you look at your watch you know you've done everything you've ever written at that stage and yeah, you look yeah. at your watch and you've done 27 minutes and you go oh fuck's sake unbelievable so, <laughs> probably one of those gigs early on let's let's move on to Edinburgh I, I go to the Edinburgh Fringe uh, every year for my holiday I, I, I work in London but my hometown is Carlisle. My home city is Carlisle. So I go up to Carlisle for the summer and then I go up to Edinburgh for the Fringe because it's only an hour away. And I first went in 2005 and I've never looked back. I go and see about 50 shows in the week. I, I just mm. I can't get enough of it. Um, tell me about your very first Edinburgh Fringe. What year was it? Where were you playing? What were you feeling? 2004. Um... Oh, just a year before, yeah. And I was playing in the Gilded Balloon. Great venue. Uh, yeah, great venue. And 
I suppose I didn't know anything about it was the big thing. And uh, I would, looking back now, I think, you know, it was probably a bit early. And, you know, you don't really know how to construct a, a, a show. And, you you know, you kind of go to Edinburgh. And it's only when you're there, you go, oh, this is what the, these shows are like. Because there wasn't at that stage, there wasn't the same... Uh, level of previewing and the idea of previewing right you know, like so the people who went up to that stage who were very ready had previewed their shows around the, the circus or, or done stuff in Soho theater or whatever down in london you know yeah, so yeah. or sometimes we were just kind of arriving up which is not how you should arrive really but i do think in terms of an experience you know you're you're kind of 24 or 5 and you're in edinburgh and you're all going through the the same struggles that everybody else is going at that level and I don't think I've done an Edinburgh since that was as enjoyable apart from the show stuff you know your first Edinburgh you're really kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for you're you're really in it together with other people at the same yeah, level you're, you're, other new you're, beginners you're part new, of a very very social the first yeah. time I did it you know really social and really like did you get a review yeah I got a review was it good yeah it was okay but I don't like this line and you know and and, and it, it, it it's like buying experience it's like going on a college course you have to pay for it because you come back and you are renewed and slightly battered yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, and it, te- it tests every part of you really you know uh, but I really 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 enjoyed it oh it's an amazing experience for 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 folk who have never been are highly recommended it's 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 just the best thing um what i what i love about your act is that um you uh go out onto a stage and you're determined to make an audience laugh and you don't leave the stage until they're laughing i have cried with laughter at your stories over the years that i've seen you um what do you think makes a good comedian Wow, that's a that's a big question, isn't it? What do I think makes a good comedian? A terrible childhood, Richard. No. <laughs> oh dear. Well, no, I had a lovely childhood. I, I can't complain. Sometimes I wish really bad stuff had happened to me so I could do a better, better, deeper Edinburgh show. Um, what makes a good comedian? I do. I think. I do think what you said there is is simple, but I don't think it's it's stupid. Uh, you have to want to make them laugh. Yeah. And something is sometimes, sometimes, particularly in your, in, when you start, when you start, right, you can't control all the parameters of the gig. You can't control all the variables, you know, you get to a point where you can set them. So, you, you know, when you get to a point where you can sell your own tickets and you can, you go to a theater, I'd like to play at this date. Is that okay? And they say, yes. And then this is how much the tickets are. And this is how long the show is going to be. And this is how my support act is going to be. And you can control all those things, you know. Um, whereas at the start, you didn't control all of those and you sometimes did a gig that you were starting off and it wasn't, you're not, you weren't starting off at zero, you were starting off at minus one because, or minus five because the Champions League was on behind or because the microphone didn't work or because the person on in front of you, you know, was a kind of an amateur MC. And in those days in particular, you had to go, I'm just going to turn this gig into a gig. I'm going to make this a gig. And, uh, so you first had to have that determination. So I think that's kind of very important in the early days. So what you said there is you want to make these people laugh. I think you, that's invaluable. You can't write that off, you know, particularly as you yeah. as you start. Yeah. When when you go from doing clubs to doing theatres, another thing happens is that you, when they're going to see you, uh, you, the switch in your brain 
should go I've always wanted to make them laugh but now they're paying to see me I really am responsible for their night out they've gotten a babysitter they've driven here you know they've donated two hours of their time they're paying your wages make them laugh do do the job properly you know and in terms of uh, in terms of just the practicalities of trying to be a good comedian I think when when people ask you when when you say any tips I always just go write as much as you can and gig as much as you can you know there's no substitute for that there's no there's no YTS scheme you know there's no scheme you can go on you know I know it's courses and all the rest but nothing will give you the experience rather than just doing this yeah, and, exactly. and that's the, yeah. it's the joy of it after it's the joy of it after 15 years 20 years 25 years like you see Jerry Seinfeld yeah. one of the most successful comedians in the world Jerry Seinfeld when he's putting a show together how many shows have you written like he must have written hundreds of shows he still has to go and see if other people think that's funny I mean he gets an idea he gets we all get an idea from experience what we can sell and what makes us laugh but he and we have to go into a room <laughs> and ha- talk to people like you and rely on your <laughs> sound ba- uh, feedback and sounds coming from you so how could he ever get bored he's in his 60s yeah, yeah, and he's, there's yeah. still some el- element of doubt which always makes it interesting yeah 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 very much so um but uh, but I think as well, I I I totally agree with you. I think I think the more you just have to keep gigging because it gives you more. It gives you the experience of doing it, and it also makes you a better comedian, whether the gig is good on or bad. Um, you, yeah. All the all the comedians have to go through the bad gigs to become better comedians. I think. Yeah, I was talking to um, I think it was Adam Hills once, and he he said to me that Rich Hall had said to him. Um, don't even come and talk to me until you've done this for 10 years <laughs> sort of thing <laughs> meaning meaning you know that you only find out how you want to do it after that long you know yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and that's oh, I, I do love people I do love watching people who figure it out early you know I always thought I saw Ivo Graham years ago yeah. Uh, when he was just starting and I just I remember I think he was only 19 or 20 and I was like that is going to be massive yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and I said it to him, and I said, I think you're going to be massive. And I think he's going to be even bigger than he is now. I know he's very successful, but I think he's going to be even bigger than that. And I said, because you, I think you figured out how you want to do it. And you're, you're very identifiable and very authentic. Very That's a real thing yeah. for all yeah. the really big ones. See, I think, um, I think audiences are really clever. I think they're very intuitive. I think that if you do something that is slightly off, the instinct the wisdom of crowds they look at you and go not buying that he's not like that why would I why would I go and see someone if I don't think that's what she's really like or what he's really like you know why are you you phoning this in whereas if you look at all the really brilliant people are certainly the people that I admire the one thing apart from them being really funny that always comes across is they're all authentic they're all what you think they should be like yeah that's what Kevin Bridges is Kevin Bridges Ivo Graham is Ivo Graham Michael McIntyre like they're all different people and like they're entirely different styles of doing it but you think well that's how they want to do it that's 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 exactly how I look at it because um, uh, your example of Ivo Graham I've watched him since he first began and at, at the last Edinburgh I was at in 2019 he did his hour long solo show and you could tell everything was working 
brilliantly at, at the specific performance that we were at and i think i think he had a great run with his show and He's that's great. that's one mm. of the reasons why i why i write the blog to sit watch the comedians develop and uh become authentic and um make uh um, just just enjoy the whole experience of watching them you know it's a, it's it's an extra it's an extraordinary gift to have if 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 you have it and you've got it in 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 spades my friend um before you go on stage how do you cope with any nerves do you suffer from any nerves at all or um i don't really no i don't really suffer from nerves the vast majority of the time because it's places you've been before and you know you tour at the same venues yeah and uh, most of the time you should have your work done at that point it's like your state exams a bit late at that point richard so you have to <laughs> you know yeah you have to have it done um so when you're doing something new maybe i did a news quiz for the first time a few years ago and Brilliant. um yeah i was just my hands were cold before wow. i was like why are my hands cold and I went, oh you're nervous that's what this is my hands never get cold my wife says it's like a superpower um and it's pretty harmless x-man isn't it <laughs> you two, i can control the weather oh my hands are toasty but uh, i just i if i'm nervous i try and remember that nervous nervousness is essentially the same feeling in your body as um as excitement yeah yeah you know so same heart rate it's the same sweaty palms it's the same fluttering in the stomach so two sides of the one coin and just go you know and also it's not life and death is it it's not life and death richard is it no. like you're not doing a surgery no, exactly. or something, yeah you know? but and you got into this usually what makes you exciting is doing something new yeah and if 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 the fact you're doing something new is I mean that's why you got into this so what's the point in you know it's kind of pointless I try and rationalize myself rationalize myself out of the nerves I suppose yeah yeah what it what it does do for me though is um uh it 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 cheers me up no end if uh, and and you need um something I think positive in your life and and that's what I get off comedy I love to go to a gig on a Friday or a Saturday night and just laugh like a drain if the comedian is very funny I I in order to do my blog I went on a on a half day writing course and all the other people around me wanted to be reviewers and uh, the woman came up to me and she said we forgot why we invited you and I said well I'm not a reviewer I'm not a critique I'm not a diarist I'm not a reporter I'm a member of the audience I'm out to have a good time and my blog is an enthuse for everybody who can actually get up and have a go and they never bothered me again they said oh we really like you that's a great answer you know so and I learned a lot <laughs> whereas the others were all reviewing and all the rest of it it was it was really interesting so I think obviously there is a purpose to it but you're right it's not life or death you know oh. no it's not life or death but yeah um, I mean I, I, I wouldn't have any problem with reviews as long yeah. as they provide the service and as long as they're as long as they're fair a lot of the time they are not necessarily as informed as they should be but sure, I mean, yeah. that's, that's the case with TV reviews or t- radio reviews or anything else yeah. you know yeah. and again you become depending on what you're doing they certainly become less and less prevalent uh, yeah, not yeah, less yeah. not less less and less prevalent sorry less and less important yeah. as you go on like 
if you, if you, I can only think of maybe two places. I think the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and the Melbourne Festival, maybe, or New Zealand, where a view of a, a show that is unknown begins to coalesce based on reviews, and then that show might be the hit of the fringe. Most right. of the time, people are taking taking a punt and going to see something in Edinburgh, or their friends have told them, or they know the person from TV. So they're they're less and less important as they as they used to be. Particularly as once you get to a point where you know there's so many shows up there. Yeah, particularly in Edinburgh, yeah, yeah. they can't review everything, and they yeah. so it's harder to build that sort of um, majority group think around something. Whenever I plan to go to Edinburgh, there's three or four friends I go up with, and uh, I always plan an enormous spreadsheet of everybody who I want to see and ask them who they want to see. And yeah. normally, it's such a cross section of all the comedians because. I like to see established acts and I like to see new acts. I like to see plays about comedians. I like to see storytellers, joke tellers, the whole gamut of it. And it, it it's such a rich mix of... I, I did a show once there and my friend he came to see the show because he was in it as a younger as a younger man well actually as a, as a teenager I had some video and he was in the video right. and I said to him um, uh, when he saw my show I said did you go and see anything else and he said no and I said it's the biggest French festival in the world why did you not go and see something and he said uh, well where like where would you start and that was something that really struck me that you know you and He's I are point. kind of embedded in this and know our way around it and can navigate it but like it's overwhelming yeah, if it you is. don't yeah. know where to start so that's why people go and see someone that they know from TV like if you're only in Edinburgh I always thought that was weird when we were starting out and you know you'd meet lads and they'd be like why did no one go and see my show and after a while I went they're, they're not coming to see our shows because they don't know who we are and they've got <laughs> two nights in Edinburgh and they want to go and see a couple of things all you can hope is that somebody on the in the early, in the your early days on the off chance they're going to risk a third unknown soldiers show you might get them and your job at that point is if you get them that they come next year i think yes i agree i think i think the turn of the coin though is purely that it's 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 to go and see something you somebody you've never heard of yeah. hoping that they're the next big big thing I, yeah. I I always remember we went to see an act and there was myself, this was years ago, and there was myself and my friend and there was a drunken Scotsman in the front row. There was only three people in and this comedian walked out and very enthusiastic and realised there was only three people in. And he, and he, and he went, oh, he said, he said, I, he said, I'll tell you what, I said, because there's only three people in, I won't bother with the show tonight and I'll buy you all a drink for coming along and thank you very much for coming along. And the Scotsman in the front row went, no, I've paid my six pound, I want the hour. <laughs> and he had to perform it. And of course, rightly so. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that comedian was never seen of again. <laughs> no, no, no he hasn't. No, he wasn't. He's now a fisherman <laughs> in a trawler. <laughs> He, he hasn't, off the though. coast of Greenland as he guns <laughs> any contact with the human race yeah. so bereft of is he of spirit now he is broken yeah well I've, I've never seen him again anyway um, please describe if you have one a writing process and where you get your ideas from in particular for solo shows hour long shows ooh um the writing process for a solo show is uh, a notebook on your phone. 
grand. You're just walking around, and every time you think of something, you key it into your phone. And then, I suppose if you if you view say August as your point of you have to have a show ready. My year is normally I'm I am touring the show I've written for August to kind of November, December, January, February, March, April. But while I'm touring that, I'm keying in the things into my into my phone that will be the next year's show. Sure. And uh, I sit in a room and I write some things down on a computer and I know roughly how many words I speak a minute. So I know if I have, say, 6,000 words or something like that, that that's roughly an hour Edinburgh show sort of thing. And then I, when I'm learning it, I walk around the house talking to myself, basically. And um, that's where the little kind of toppers come in. And that's where the little extra line comes in. Or that's where a leap of fa- fancy comes in. Um, so that's kind of it, really. What is um, what, what I think is, is precise, you might disagree here, but what I think is precise about your act is just how many jokes you do manage to get in in a specific amount of time it's extraordinary number because i think they're called toppers aren't they where you have another line after it yeah and 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 you're very very good and very funny at doing that because i'm laughing away and then you have to stop and there's another one and another one (laughs) i always thought that that was the difference between someone who was good and someone who's amazing was that if you could and that's very kind of you to say because that's what we try and get to. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You can get to a point where it's just rolling, and yeah. it's uh, and if you think about the you know seeing somebody for twenty minutes and there's only two or three minutes in that, yeah, where yeah, you've yeah. not been laughing. So I try that's and think exactly of, what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try and think of a scenario, and then I try and think of how far I can push that. Yeah, um, and how many times I can change the angle and uh, like. And it's it's weird because sometimes you don't need to you don't need to write that line that creates the next laugh if you yeah. know what I mean. So sometimes you see someone who's like I think somebody like Jason Burns sometimes on a, on a physical oh, he's, capacity he's when he incredible. does something and he gets the audience like yeah. he, he hasn't necessarily written another line to keep that yeah. momentum of and laugh going. It's a twist of his body or a, yeah. or a facial <laughs> expression. And like when when Jason hits. Jesus Christ. He is, he is <laughs> I look phenomenal. at it and I go, oh, yeah. oh, wow. Like, you know, he, he has had me, you know, double over yeah. and after. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah. And I, 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 and I think that sort of momentum is the holy grail. Um, and that's why I, I like watching, I like watching one-liner merchants. Yeah. But, you know, every second line has to be a setup to the next gag. So for me, it's not. It's not the the one I like the most to uh, to to experience as as, as a punter, you know. Mm, mm. Um, following on from that, um, how do you remember all your jokes and routines? Do you have pointers in your head that will guide you on, or I link them usually. Link them, yeah, yeah. I just link them because it's an easy way to remember. So if I have. For example, in this conversation we've had at the moment, if I try and write some jokes about a book I'm reading at the moment, yeah. and I had some jokes who were talking to you, I would go, Richard is from Carlisle, and I'm currently reading books by a man from Carlisle, which is M.W. Craven. I don't know if you've read these books, but I just read three of them in a row, and they're really good. 
Is that well, true? I would look for the commonality between the two of you. And this, that's how I would remember it. It was wow. just, there would just be some natural link between the two of you. And I can you you can usually find the natural link between any two things. There's there's always something, you know. Wow. Um and then that's just how you remember it really. So so NW Craven is from Carlisle. Yes. Wow. And he writes the the Washington Post series. Wow. And yeah. That. That's why when you say Carlisle, or if, uh, if I wanted to talk about Dublin, having spoken to you, yeah. For example, I I do I I don't know much about Carlisle, but uh, Roddy Collins, who was Steve Collins, the boxer's brother, yeah, used to yeah. manage Carlisle, obviously. So uh, you know, there's there's always links, and it just it just helps me to navigate from one part to another. Wow. You, you know, I have I have never I have I have many friends in London who are from Ireland, and I've never been to Ireland. I've never been to Dublin, and I've always wanted to go. And one of my one of my um, dreams is to go to. Uh, Vicar Street, Dublin, because as you said earlier on, it seems to be a major venue that all the comedians want to play. Yeah, it has the perfect mix of it's it's like a big club. Right. It's not even like a theatre. It's like a big club. Right. And on a on a really great night, it replicates that feeling that isn't stayed and isn't reserved. That sometimes a grand old theatre can be like, you know. It's it's that more raucous, more low ceiling, more uh, anything can happen here sort of vibe That's that comedians love. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, with a thousand people, yeah, you know, so there's a whoosh of yeah. laughter if you're if you're doing it right. So that's yeah, that's the that's the mecca here of that size venue. And when and when I go back up to Carlisle, um, they have the Sand Centre there, which is a big three thousand theatre, three thousand seater theatre. And they also have the fire station, which is a little 250 theatre, 300 theatre um, that a lot of comedians do go do go for. So um, if ever you're on tour, please do go and I'll come and see you there. <laughs> is, that in Pen- is that in Penrith? <laughs> yeah, Penrith. Yeah, that's only 20 miles away. <laughs> I've only learned all these places in the last uh, week or so reading yeah. about oh, brilliant. the Fells yeah. of Cumbria. <laughs> um, to date... What has been your comedy highlight? Um, comedy. I I got a real kick the first time I ever did the a, a panel show on TV with Dara O'Brien, Andrew Maxwell, Ed Byrne, Colin oh, Murphy, and uh, I was twenty four. It was my first time on TV, I think, and uh, I remember sitting there and looking across the table at uh, whoever was on th- that show, you know, and there was maybe three people on that show and they had a combined level of experience of 40 for every years. And I had been doing this about three, something like that, three and a half. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And, and the first joke that landed, that I remember the first joke landing, just going, oh, like it. I think I, I think I can survive this. I think, I think I'll get, I'll, I'll get away with this. That was a real wow moment. I'll be oh, honest. That I'm was a surprise. That yeah. sounds fantastic. Um, first time I was in the radio theater, the BBC Radio Four. Yeah. Which is many years after that because I kind of stayed in Ireland and just in Edinburgh mainly because uh, I was so busy at home and I was presenting stuff and doing stuff and, and touring and stuff. Um, so I only relatively recently, like many years after that first initial thing feeling of excitement um i was in the radio theater and on the on the news quiz but so obviously the news quiz on radio 4 is a venerable institution but that building 
when you're going like Spike Milligan. Oh, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's I was kind of got a bit yeah. of a tingle there. Yeah, I think that yeah. this is this yeah. is brilliant, you know. I've been to the radio theatre many times. I've seen watched a lot of news quiz recordings and now show as well. That's the other yeah. one, and um, that they that they do there. Um, you regularly appear on TV on the on BBC Northern Ireland on the on the TV show The Blame Game. Yeah, and you're a regular panelist on Radio Five Lives Fighting Talk. Yeah, tell me more about this. Do you approach um, what you're going to say on radio and TV? Is that different to the way you approach stand-up comedy, live stand-up? Um, yeah, to a certain extent. So I have done panel shows in the Republic and in the North. I suppose that's probably what I'd be best known for in terms of TV. Yeah. Um, I've presented documentaries and I've presented uh, shows from the Montreal Festival and stuff like that yeah, as yeah. well for TV. But um, in Ireland, I've been known for panel shows. And then in the UK, some people would watch the blame game, but obviously it's it's only on BBC Northern Ireland and and, and the news quiz and Five Live and that sort of stuff. Um, I suppose they're, they're all different, but a, a panel show... A lot of it is is who you're on with. So if you're on a show that you do all the time, you do learn rhythms. Um, and by rhythms, I mean the rhythms of the other people. So right. you don't necessarily know what I'm going to say. But I do know when one of my fellow panellists, I know by his body language, if he's off on a run, I know and I can just sit back and let him go and then feed the beast every so often, give him a suggestion and sit back, you know. <laughs> uh, so you do learn rhythms like the midfield of, of a successful international yeah, yeah. football team. Brazil, Brazil, 1970 on our best days, <laughs> and the current Irish team on our worst days. Um, not Carlisle United. Not Carlisle. <laughs> uh, but you, I, in terms of what you can say, I mean, obviously there's language uh, yeah, sure, restrictions, yeah. there's content restrictions. You learn early doors that if you, do, you know, what's counterproductive, filth. If you do filth at the start of a show, uh, that first of all, it'll never air. But also, in terms of the audience in the room, filth is always funny. If you then try and switch back to Boris Johnson's policy on uh, supporting money going to the COVAX campaign, uh, that's a quite difficult pivot to make. And the live audience will go, please talk about filth again. So, you know, you learn, you learn things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, you learn, you know, little technical things like you do something you've actually made him balls of the setup. Stop. Know that that'll be edited out and just restate the position again. So, so you know that from doing years of uh, panel shows, you know? Obviously, don't do that on a live show like Fighting Talk because <laughs> that's just going to be weird. It's, um, all, it's all experience again, though. It's all it? experience, like, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so on something like Fighting Talk, which Colin Murray hosts, uh, he's a great host, but you're trying to make him laugh not sure. necessarily the because um, he awards the points in that show kind of in a fairly arbitrary fashion um, and not necessarily the other panellists so you have to write a different type of joke sometimes you have to write a joke that isn't the boom punchline you have to write a joke that's kind of on the way to that I, yeah, yeah. I try and sometimes catch him unawares uh, I try and I try and describe something in a stupid way or make an analogy that's a ridiculous analogy that just catches him and like he, he goes what so that's a different it's kind of a different 
route to the same end response. Brilliant. But she's kind of, again, keeps that interesting, you know? Like, yeah, you can't yeah. do a... Yeah, sure. You know that whole thing that people talk about, that rule of three joke that you that people would do when they start comedy in particular? You know, that rhythm. Um, you can't do that with someone who's very experienced and, and uh, knows that the, the third thing is going to be slightly different than the first two things, you know? So they're the things you learn, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're all living in very strange times. It's been a very weird 18 months. Um, have you found online gigs? How have you found online gigs as opposed to live gigs? Have you done many online gigs? I've what done a few, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they're fine if you have the stuff... If you're doing stuff that you already know is funny in a live context, it's fine. But I mean, yeah. I don't really see the value in trying brand new stuff out. I just, I think it's too um, inconsistent, I suppose. Sure, yeah. I have done Sarah Millican's uh, new gig a couple of times. Um, it's just so well run. She's, yeah, yeah. she's such oh, a great gig to do. And it's really yeah. fun. But even Sarah would say to you, uh, if it works at this, that doesn't mean it works in real life. And if it doesn't work at this, it doesn't mean it doesn't work in real life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what it is valuable is for is, is keeping you ticking over and keeping your comedy muscle writing the jokes, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can't wait to go back to a live audience. Oh, uh, in, yeah. like we have been doing our panel show with three people in the room, one person on Zoom as a guest, and then an audience on Zoom. Sure. And it's it's good crack, but... I mean, the in terms of the immediacy, and in terms of that thing that you that we talked about before, the wave, the momentum. Yes. With a Zoom audience, you can it's you say on a topical show, you can go da 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 da, boom, and there's your punchline, and you can wait a little bit, and then the audience will go for it. But you can't hammer them with line after line after line after line after line. It's it's difficult because the delay really impacts that momentum that you want to try and build up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. By nature, I think a lot of those panel shows now are. I've I've heard some of them, and I don't know if they are as collaborative. What, what you see on screen, there isn't as much bouncing back and forth, just because it's, it's just too technically difficult. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're very good shows, I've seen a lot of good shows, but they lose a little bit of the interactivity. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I totally agree. I I look at online comedy as a super substitution to the real thing. Um, if it if it hadn't happened, uh, I don't know how I would have got through lockdown because uh, I need a comedy fix every week. Um, uh, I go to um, always be comedy all the time. I go to the Happy Monday Sean James one. I go to the Return of the Crack Charlotte Regan's one on a Friday night. He's fantastic. And when it first started off, um, there was no audio at all. And so I was sitting here laughing loudly at four walls. I thought I was going to be taken away, but then they opened up uh, the audio and yeah. it, it helped with the timing of the jokes and the comedians could chat to the crowd, the, the front row crowd and hear the laughs and everything. But I'm like you, I so miss live comedy. I want to see you soon again at Headliners in Chiswick like I did last time and you were fantastic. We, we are going to go again, hopefully in May. Yeah, um, I, and, and, and it's it, yeah, that that experience of like you, know, you laugh in a room together with other, other people, some of your yeah. friends, but some of your strangers. Yeah. But it's a collegiate, collaborative, human, social, primeval yeah. activity. Yeah. And sitting 
on your own in a room isn't a replica a replicant for that a, yeah. a replica for that even a substitute for that i don't know yeah yeah very very much so i think i think as well is that when you're sitting with a live audience it's of the moment as well you'll never get that again and yeah. that's the magic of it you know yeah. uh, um anything can happen and it's and it's 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 wonderful to see um who are your favorite comedians past and present oh there's so many it depends on <laughs> it depends on the form i'm in uh off yeah. the top of my head you know who i've always loved i'm just trying to give you an, an an unusual uh tip rather than the kind of mainstream one um kevin mcleer have you ever seen kevin mcleer i've seen him people would know him he plays he's in dairy girls and he plays the boring uncle eamon uh, yes yeah 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 as a live stand-up uh, kevin is absolutely I'm brilliant it's just this really weird rural surreal <laughs> stuff and it's it's brilliant and um, tommy tiernan's fantastic he does a show at the moment oh, yeah. uh on tv where he did it's a chat show where he doesn't know the guests he doesn't know who the guest is guest comes out he interviews them brilliant. doesn't know who they are hasn't done any research and might know them but may not know them uh, and it's that's fantastic genius yeah yeah i mean i think he's one of the best we've ever produced um in terms of stuff that we were talking about before, like the Edinburgh Festival or Melbourne or something, I love at those festivals going to see someone who does this in an entirely different way. To the extent that you look at him and go, I have no idea how you even came up with that. I don't even know where the thought of that began <laughs> to make that funny, you know? So I like to go and see, like I saw Sam Simmons. Oh, he's brilliant. Shooting, he's great. And yeah, yeah, like yeah. watching. Tremendous. Three quarters of the audience love it, but a quarter going, what the fuck <laughs> is this? Is massively entertaining as well. Yeah, I mean, I remember him doing a bit where he had a pine cone going up a wall on a piece of string and he just lit it with a spotlight and played some music. It was hilarious. So I look at that, Richard, and I go, I don't even know where you were when you thought of this. Did you see someone do this before? Did you think... A pine cone isn't funny, but string in a pine cone is really funny. And I don't know how it works. Uh, so I That's love the that. Magic. The originality is extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I seek them out when I go to when I go to Edinburgh Festival. You Fantastic. Know? The reason why um, I, I, I asked that question is that there's a section in my blog called The Ones That Got Away. Mm. And I've written about 25 comedians, written about 25 comedians who have either sadly passed on or I just haven't had a chance to see. Okay. And, and in that list, uh, I almost had a chance to see Dave Allen in London. I wish I had. Uh, he wow. would have been amazing. Um, but Norman Wisdom, Frankie Howard, um, uh, um, Bob Monkhouse, I would have loved to have seen. He um, was the one, yeah. I, I, you know that documentary yeah. BBC Four about him? Oh, superb, superb. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I think sometimes people forget when they see someone you know, and, and comics used to go into game shows and all that yeah. sort of stuff, you know, or or they go into being film actors. A lot of the time you go, like, I can guarantee you that they were very good at what they did at some point because they wouldn't have gotten the opportunities after that. So you might see them as a game show, but if you went to see Roy Walker, for example, who did Catchphrase for so many years, sorry, it can be guaranteed strange. that he can do... Brilliant what he says he can do you know I, I mean it might, it might be an old more old-fashioned than 
the current kind of way of doing yeah, it. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I can guarantee you, he can. He, he has the skills, you know. Oh, he, he he was. We saw him twice. He was he was fantastic. He did two years in a row at the Edinburgh Fringe, and again, what was really interesting about him was that he the pauses in his act. He knew where he was going to get laughs, and the more pauses he did. Yeah. The, the higher the laughs it, it, it was amazing um, I would say some of my highlights are Bill Hicks I saw in Manchester he was incredible um, Rick Mayle I saw in Carlisle he was extraordinary um, but there's I mean it's on and on and on and on and on I saw Peter Kay in a, a room before he was famous in a room in Manchester and he was fourth on the bill of five and I missed the fifth act because I was laughing so hard. And I said to my friend, the, 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 he's going to be a superstar. And, and yeah. just extraordinary. There's so many stories around the block. I saw Patrice O'Neill at um, the at a gala in Montreal. And uh, he I interviewed him afterwards for TV. And we had to cut the interview a couple of times because the cameraman, uh, the camera was shaking. He was <laughs> laughing so much. So the camera was doing that. That's and superb. Yeah, yeah. he that's was. Br- that's he brilliant. Was genius. And 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 yeah, of course yeah. they're doing their job well. Um, like me, before you were a comedian, or whilst you are a comedian, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? No. No, I don't Everybody do that. Everybody says that. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that happens. Uh, while you love it. In my experience, for most comedians, uh, they see behind the curtain a little bit, if right. you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, what happens is, I think, I think the healthy thing to happen is that you you don't laugh quite as much because you see how things are constructed. Sure. But when you then see the rarer event that really makes you laugh, you can kind of deconstruct that to the extent that you know I, I it's so rare you know you I think you really appreciate the skill involved in something like that you know and that's sometimes why we I, I try and go and see a lot when I go to Edinburgh yeah, yeah. because it is a place where you can see easily loads of amazing things and um, you know like when you go to Montreal I don't know if I don't know if you know the difference between Montreal and Edinburgh. I'm pretty sure you do, given that you're so experienced and going to comedian, going to comedy shows. But maybe your audience might not know that that's geared largely towards the gala, you know, and it's a 10 minute slot or a five minute slot at a gala in front of 2000 people. And they all pay a lot of money, like it's hundred twenty, hundred fifty dollars or something. Sure. Whereas the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is all about your full hour long show. So, I definitely go to as much as I can when I'm up there because otherwise I feel guilty. Why go and see stuff? This is the biggest arts festival in the world. Go and see how other people are doing this. So, yeah, um, like stuff I've seen there that really got me. I can appreciate it, I suppose, since I've started doing comedy on a different level. You know, you know, of course. and uh, yeah, yeah. like it's yeah. funny. Don Rodolfo was on a couple of nights ago, and I saw uh, Kieran Kieran O'Dowd do that in Edinburgh, and it's just like it's brilliantly written, but it's so silly. Yeah. I was absolutely in bits laughing at that it's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen in Edinburgh you know and I came out walking out with that and I was raving about it to my wife for, for days and, and 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 same but we appreciated that I think on a, on a deeper level really I suppose yes you know? of course yeah um, if you're on a comedy bill do you yep. stay and 
uh, watch all the acts that are on the bill? Depends if I have a car or not. <laughs> so if I'm in, depends on how hard it is to of get course, home or not. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do watch everybody in, in front of me, though. I, sure, I won't just yeah. walk out. I try. So I try and see as as much as, as I much can. As you can. But yeah. you also have to try and keep some semblance of a normal life. Which is like, <laughs> you can get home it to watch. Take take time to watch Line of Duty and BBC One Plus One. Yeah. You know, I'll do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aren't we all? It's just the best. I'd, I'd love to pretend otherwise. No, I watch everything. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm a comedy encyclopedia. Ask me about anybody going on a half ten in headliners and Chiswick, and I can tell you everything they've done. It's the love of the art form, Richard. The love of the art form. No, <laughs> no, was the answer. I see a lot, but I don't see. I don't see everything. You're not as bad as me. No, no, I'm not as bad as you. I think. I mean, I think you some sort of psychosis, to be honest with you. Some sort of sickness there. That you. There was a critical moment in your life when you needed a hug and nobody gave you a hug. <laughs> Now you're talking to comedians. That must be it. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, just before we go, and I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. It's been an absolute delight. Um, Wait, is there anything else you would like to say? Is there? Have you got any online gigs planned? Have you got any podcasts? Are you on um, social media? Anything like that? I do have a podcast, but I don't know if it'll be necessarily out when when you release this epic. Right. It's, is the um, I am doing right now. I am no, not yet. No, no we've done some episodes. But we haven't dropped them yet. Right. Um, I am doing my first arena gig wow. in the Belfast SSE Arena. Right. Hopefully, the vaccinations program will be over by then because they are currently using it to inject people. Yes. Uh, it's where the Belfast Giants play their gig. Uh, play their gig. <laughs> play their games. I think. <laughs> I what, think that's what, what ice hockey is. Is. The Belf- is the Belfast gig? Say that again. What date is the gig? It's February 2022. Well, so I it's for February one, next year. That might be my first visit to Ireland. Well, to come, come and along. See come along. There's plenty of room. It's a big owl hall. And and if and if I don't go there, I will definitely see you live again soon. Absolutely. Because you're a very, very, very funny comedian, and you're highly recommended, my friend. Wow. Thank you very much. High praise indeed from the per- person who likes Les Dawson, so I'll take that. <laughs> Please keep doing Thanks, what you do and all the very best to you. Where can people find you on social media just before we go? Um, uh, at Neil Delamere on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Neil Delamere Comedy on Instagram. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, my friend, and all the best to you.